You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 84. In this episode, we'll be meeting Jim Heskett, who writes fast action spy thrillers. He also writes award-winning mystery thrillers and, as J.E. Heskett, uh, post-apocalyptic thrillers. We're going to talk with uh, Jim about his writing process, his books, and a whole bunch more. So stay tuned for my interview with uh, Jim Heskett coming right up. Uh, But first, just a quick reminder, uh, if you could uh, please uh, rate and review this uh, podcast, uh, wherever that it is that you're listening to this right now, wherever you're subscribed to it, be it uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify or Google Podcasts, or wherever it is that you're listening to this, uh, your review and rating uh, helps me get the word out and uh, helps uh, this other people find uh, the podcast. So I would really appreciate that. And so here we go with my interview with uh, Jim Heskett. This is Alan with uh, Meet the Filler Author, and for uh, this uh, episode of the podcast, we'll be the, talking with uh, Jim Heskett. How are you doing, Jim? Hey, Alan. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, thank you so much uh, for uh, coming on. Uh, and it's kind of cool because uh, I was on your podcast where you, you have your own podcast where you talk to uh, thriller uh, writers, too. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, it's not uh, it's not a chit chat show. It's it's a very focused show. It's called Your Favorite Thriller, and we talk about. I talk to thriller authors about their favorite thriller books. Their their favorite thriller books by other people. I thought it was like kind of the uh, inside the actor's studio for thriller authors was my grand design. I think that was my intention. Oh, well, it's a, it's a cool concept and. Uh... People have to, should go check that out. It's a, it's a lot of fun to hear what all these thriller authors, uh, their favorite books are. So it's always cool to li- listen to people talk about books. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. So uh, for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? So I am an author, obviously, a thriller author. That's why I'm on this show. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I live in Colorado with my wife and small child, dog and a cat, uh, the American dream, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've been writing thrillers uh, since, uh, 2014 or 15. Um, I'm, I'm, a I'm technically a hybrid author author. I'm mostly indie, but I have one book in an Amazon imprint. Um, and I mostly write in the subgenre of spy thrillers, a little bit of crime, a little bit of noir, mostly spy stuff. But I also write dystopian and post-apoc under the pen name J E Heskett. Oh wow! I didn't realize you 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 had branched out into other uh, subgenre as well. Those are so similar too. Uh, I know they're kind of different and uh, but similar, if that makes sense. <laughs> what dystopian and post-apoc? Yeah, because to the thrillers, because they're kind of you know there's always action and, and they're pretty thrillerish. But um, I know the readers are pretty different. Do you, do you find that uh, in, in writing those two that there's a big difference? Well, initially, I had um, published them under my name. I have I have a dystopian trilogy and a post-apoc trilogy, and I had initially published them under my own name, and I I really thought my readers were going to like it because I was basically you know telling them, hey, it's 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 thrillers, they're just uh, in the future, uh, you know, they're just in a future war-torn America, but people were like, no, it's not the same. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I, I learned that lesson the hard way. But um, now, now that they're under a pen name, they're over there. People won't get confused. You know, a different uh, Amazon Central account. So that's 
Um, I still think they're good books, but they're definitely a different kind of reader. You know, I have a separate email list for those people now. It's all, it's all segmented because, you know, I'm, I, I'm an author and so I like to read widely and I think there are a lot of people out there who do read widely, but there are even more people who like what they like and they're not interested in branching out, which, you know, it's, is unfortunate, but you know, people to each his or her own. Oh yeah, that's interesting. I, I I wouldn't realize it'd be such a pushback, but that's that's a that's fascinating. So yeah, people like what they uh, like what they like. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So for our listeners, um, back to the thrillers, since uh, that's what my listeners <laughs> are into as well. Uh, can you describe uh, what your your books? I know you have a you have several series out. Um, can you tell us a little about them? I have. Th- Three main series. Um, I think that's right. <laughs> People ask me how many books I've written, and I'm I'm not even really sure. Um, but um, yes, yeah, so I've got one completed thing that's a trilogy that actually has four books in it, which I know doesn't make any sense, um, but it would if you read it. That's the Whistleblower trilogy. It's three books and a prequel, basically, and that's a self-contained thing. Um, that's like a conspiracy, uh, conspiracy thriller, basically a corporate, corporate conspiracy thriller. And then my longest running series is the Micah Reed series. Uh, that's currently at nine books and there's one more planned in the series, which will probably be sometime next year when I finally get around to doing that. That's a series about, um, uh, a former criminal who's trying to do the right thing. He's basically a guy who sort of stumbled his way into working for an American branch of a Mexican drug cartel. And then he um, got caught by the feds, uh, turned federal witness, and now he's in witness protection. And he moved you know, halfway across the country, and he's basically trying to figure out how to live the, the straight life while constantly looking over his shoulder. Because uh, you know, there's the cartel still out there, so he's still um, – he's, he's not free – and that's what the series is about, basically, is him having adventures as a new person with a new identity while still being worried about people coming after him. And then my newest series is the Lane Parish series, which is um, the pretty much action spy thriller. Uh, Lane is a retired government operative, um, basically retired government assassin who worked for a very small uh, clandestine operations group and he's he's retri- retired and trying to sp- basically spend time with his young child but there seems to always be you know how these stories go there's always a reason for him to go back and and undergo one more thing for the old group that's the your latest book on that one is, is that knife point that the, came out in may yes knife point was the most recent book in that series and that series um is not done um, I don't know if it's going to have an end point. I'm planning at least one more book in that, but I'm actually currently writing, um, I'm in the middle of writing a six book series with Nick Thacker. That's completely, that has nothing to do with anything I've written, but it's just, um, an idea Nick and I workshop together. And so I'm writing the first drafts of all six of those books and then Nick will take over and those will probably be coming out mid 2020 would be my guess. Oh, that's cool! Yeah, and uh, uh, Nick was a, a guest uh, on the podcast uh, a couple of years ago. So, oh yeah, yeah, small small world. How how is that working with uh, with with another author? Had you done that before? Um, I'd only done it once before uh, a couple of years ago. I don't know if you know Jay Thorne, who's um, a horror author and post apoc author. He had 
this idea of taking his um, this horror series he had called American Demon Hunters and basically opening it up and creating a shared universe with other authors. And I just had what I thought was a fun idea, even though, you know, horror is not my genre. So I I wrote a I wrote a novella for him. Um, and um, so that was that wasn't I don't know if that was really collaboration because it was mostly like I said, hey, here's my idea. And he was like, all right, write it. And then he paid me. And then that was the last I saw of it. <laughs> So it wasn't really a collaboration, but with Nick, he, um, he has this group of authors, um, that were basically called the, uh, his, his main series is the Harvey Bennett series. And he has this Harvey Bennett universe basically where he's invited some authors in to tell stories with the, his characters in that universe. And he sort of collaborates with each of them. So this is tangentially related to his Harvey Bennett books. And so you're working, that's what you're working on uh, on now, but uh, you might go back to the, uh, uh, to Lane Parish as well. Yeah, I'm definitely going to, uh, when, when this six books, I mean, I'm two, I'm two books into six. So who knows how long my head will be down buried trying to get this, these six books done. Um, but yeah, after that, I owe my readers, at, you know, the final Micah Reed book. Cause it's been gosh, like two years, three years since the last Micah Reed book. So hopefully they'll still be interested by the time I get around to writing that last one. But yeah. When you usually, when you're writing a, do you work on one at a time, you know, or do you like, like one series at a time? I would like to be able to say yes, but <laughs> I'm not that consistent. Like the first maybe five or six Micah Reed books. I wasn't working on anything else. I was just focused on, you know, getting those out and having some backlist and having a, a strong series. People could go from one book to the next on. Um, but since then I've kind of bounced around, you know, I, that basically I didn't finish the Micah Reed series because the Lane Parish series came up, you know, because I, I had that idea for the Lane Parish book and I wrote it, I submitted it to Kindle Scout and it won. Um, so because that was, you know, a, a quote unquote traditionally published book, I wanted to work on more books in that series. And so that sort of derailed the Micah Reed series. Um, I have a habit of, of, um, committing to do something and then having an idea jump up inside my head and run around and bounce against the inside of, you know, my brain until I can't really think about anything else. And then th that idea just takes over and I have to do it. And how was the process uh, with the Kindle Scout? I remember that when that was, uh, I know it's not around anymore, but did you find that uh, enjoyable working in that world? Uh, yeah, it's not around anymore. I was actually the second or third to last book they chose before they shut it down. Um, it was um, because, you know, Amazon used to have what they called their breakthrough novel um, contest where they would, they would, you know, a bunch of books would enter and they would just pick one book to win it all. And then they came up with Kindle Scout, which was which was a pretty clever idea, um, which is basically like you could submit a book and then put it up on a website and readers would go vote for it. Um, and if your book got enough votes, then um, Amazon would uh, would would pick it and publish it under their um, Kindle publish Kindle publishing um, imprint. Uh, um, I think that's what it's called. Kindle Press. Sorry. Oh, yeah, Kindle yeah. Press. I, forg I, I forgot, forgot my too. publisher's name. Um, yeah, then Kindle Press would publish it. And the nice thing for readers was that if they voted for a book and Amazon chose it, then they would get the book for free. Um, so this was – I was actually my – I really wanted to win Kindle Scout. And so this was – the Lane Parish book was my third time 
submitting a book to Kindle Scout. And so this, this third time, like I had a big action plan, you know, I really riled up my, I, I spent a lot of money on the cover. I spent a lot of time on the first few chapters. So they would be really, really tight and really exciting. And, you know, I spent money for someone else to write, someone who knew what they were doing to write the blurb. And, um, like I really promoted it and I made sure that it like really got out there. And the, the first day I put it up, it hit Kindle scouts with the call. I think they call it hot and trending, which is like the front page. And then it stayed there the whole time. And then, so they, they chose that book. And, um, so then it was basically like working with a traditional publisher, except instead of waiting a year to two years for it to be published, it only took a few months, you know, like I, worked with the developmental editor who gave me some notes. Then I worked with, um, you know, a line editor and they had some suggestions. Like we ended up changing the title and changing the cover. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was good. It was, um, it, I'm glad I had that experience, you know, cause I, when I first started writing, I really wanted a traditional publishing contract. And, you know, later after, after a couple of years of heartbreak of not being able to get an agent, I, you know, went indie um, but I'm glad I was able to have that experience of seeing what it would be like to work with a traditional publisher, but also it's Kindle press is great because, um, you know, they own, they own that first book, but I own all this, you know, the, I own the characters and I own all the sequels. So, um, I can still do whatever I want, you know, with that series, they just have the first book. So they don't have, you know, it's not like a traditional publisher where they would, which is where I, you know, how I think it works is that they would own, you know, the series first refusal or whatever you'd call it, you know, for the series. And so it's, yeah, I, overall it's been a very, um, positive experience working with Kindle press. Yeah, that's cool. And that's cool that they got selected too, because I know a couple authors who did the Kindle scout thing and they did really well too. They were hot and trending and they got a lot of votes and all that stuff. But then in the end, Amazon didn't pick them up. So that, even beyond yeah, it's that, not- yeah. Yeah, it's not just the most popular books. They still, you yeah. know, they're still going to choose the books they think, you know, are going to do well. Um, but fortunately, they picked mine, and yeah, that's um, cool. <laughs> I'm really glad. I'm yeah. proud of that book. Yeah. So now, uh, were you always a fan of thrillers? Like uh, before you started to write, um, as a as a reader, were you a fan of the genre? Well, I sort of stumbled into thrillers because, you know, my um, after little kid books like Beverly Cleary and stuff like that, the first uh, uh, adult stuff I was reading on my own at age like 13, 12, 13, 14 was Stephen King. And, um, you know, I, 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 I wasn't aiming to be a horror reader or anything. I just really loved Stephen King. But the second book in his Dark Tower series uh, was um, The Drawing of the Three. And I know Stephen King pretty much does whatever he wants and writes in, you know, whatever genre he feels like, you know, from book to book. But The Drawing of the Three was very much a thriller. And that's really when I fell in love with thrillers because it's, you know, it's like a it's in the Dark Tower. So it's like fantasy Western kind of time travel. I don't even know how you would explain the Dark Tower. But that that one book, The Drawing of the Three, was like lightning fast paced and had cliffhangers at the end of every chapter and it was just incredibly exciting and I was like this is the kind of story that I'm really into you know so then I was you know getting into John Grisham you know all the classics and yeah it's continued on today I love thriller books and that's probably why I write them and did you always want to be a writer um 
for, well, I wanted to be a writer when I was young and then life got in the way, you know, I thought I needed to have a career and I've, I've, I've done a bunch of different stuff. You know, I worked in mental health for a while. I worked in software. Um, I've, I've worked in learning design. I've worked in lots of different fields, which, um, is great for a writer, I think, to have lots of varied life experience. You know, I've lived in multiple countries. I've, I've traveled around the world, which I think is something you really have to do as a writer. Um, unless you're Emily Dickinson, you know, <laughs> she was able to write and basically not ever leave her house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, you know, from, from a little kid, I, I love telling story. uh, you know, from when I was a little kid, I love telling stories and, and, you know, I, I was writing my own stuff when I was probably 15, um, you know, mostly just because I was such a Stephen King fan. I was, I started off writing horror and it wasn't really until I took writing seriously, you know, five or six years ago that I realized that I wanted to tell exciting stories. I wanted to tell stories where there was suspense and tension and twists and turns and to, I, I wanted readers to turn the pages as fast as they could. That was my goal. And what's your process then? Do you um, do you do a lot of outlining, or do you just sit down and start to write these? Or? I'm sort of uh, sort of in the middle. I guess I write um, what I call beats, which is basically a loose outline, where I know um, the only thing I ever really truly pants would be short fiction, because it, it doesn't freak me out. But the idea of sitting down without, you know, with just an idea and not, and, and not a plan terrifies me that my story could go off the rails because I'm a pretty busy guy. So I don't have the time to like spend three weeks writing a story and then going, oh crap, this doesn't work. I need to get rid of the last, you know, 10,000 words. Um, so I usually have a pretty solid plan of what I'm going to write, but I leave myself room to experiment like, like, a, um, I, I, I usually would write like one sentence per scene about what's going to happen. And the scene would, the scene beat would say something like the villain convinces the hero to turn over the nuclear codes or something like that. I've never actually written that, but that's just what popped into my head. But I don't know when I sit down to write how that's going to happen you know, or maybe even where I might pants the location. I just like, I know where the scene's going to begin and where it's going to end, but sometimes getting there is the, is where I let my creative brain just sort of invent in the moment. And what software do you use? Do you use a word or do you use like Scrivener? I mostly use Scrivener. Uh, I use Scrivener to, to write, uh, and a little bit of word. Like if I'm working with an editor, usually they'll give me back a word doc, um, but Scrivener to write and, um, you know, a bunch, bunch of various note taking tools, Google docs, if I'm collaborating, like Nick and I do a lot of stuff in Google docs. And then finally, because I'm a Mac user, I have vellum. So that's the last stage is a vellum to format the books. Yeah, kind of, I'm using Vellum too. It's kind of interesting how when you're when you put it in there, you think it's everything's ready, it's ready to go, and then you still find like little like like a typo or something. <laughs> even in there, it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I even you know even if a book is professionally edited, yeah. there's always going to be a couple slip through. And fortunately, my my readers are pretty forgiving, and I have even have a couple who will, you know, email me afterward to say, hey, I I bought your book and I found a couple typos here, and they're not angry. They don't go leave me a one star review. They'll just they let me know, and 
I think most people are pretty okay with it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So it's like free proofreading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, and so um, what's your, when, when you're writing a story? Do you like uh, do you set like goals, like a word count goal or page goal or? Um. Yeah. Generally, I the way I do it pretty much is I will write a uh, a zero draft which is what I call it. Um, I mean, I didn't invent that term. I'm not that smart, but, um, usually like I'll know, I'll sit down and I, I write out my, my outline, my beats. Right. And that's like, I'm going to come up with 50 scenes and like, I know this novel is going to be 50 scenes long in order to tell the story. And I know from my own experience that 50 scenes is going to come out to be say 70,000 words when it's done. So my first draft will be more like 45,000 words. Then I go back and I expand on that in, in second draft and zero draft. Cause like, um, one of the things I do is, um, I, I really skimp on descriptions and dialogue and stuff like that in my zero draft because I just want to get it on paper as fast as possible. And I know that in, when I go back to do the second draft or the proper first draft is when I'm going to like, uh, um, I'm going to make flesh out the characters, give them personality, you know, like describe people, places and things and, and make their dialogue sound more like them where that's all in the first draft. My, or I keep saying first draft, but what I mean is zero draft and in zero draft, my intention is just to write as fast as possible. So I don't have to keep as much stuff in my head. Oh yeah, I I just heard about that one from uh, on a video that I was watching the other day. Something does that they like go through it and then they go back and then they they fill in the they they flesh it out afterwards. I like that. It, it might have been my video because <laughs> yeah, it might have. Uh, you just did one. Yeah, I I wrote a I wrote a book about this called The Juggling Author, and I have a YouTube account where I talk about some of the stuff from the book. Oh, yeah. it could have been my video. Yeah, yeah, too too many videos. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a that's a cool process. So, and do you usually write in the same spot? Do you have like a, a dedicated spot, or you or you like go to different coffee shops? Or I don't generally go to a coffee shop unless um, there's a reason why I can't be at home. Like sometimes, um, the only place I really go is the library. I don't I don't like writing with distractions. I don't like to listen to music or stuff like that. I mean, I might listen to a movie soundtrack. If, if I am at a coffee shop or something like that, then yeah, I'll probably put the headphones in and, and, uh, go to my, um, uh, Amazon music app and listen to a, a movie soundtrack, but I can't listen to anything with lyrics cause then I'll start, you know, listening and thinking about the lyrics and it gets distracting. So I, I generally, I have a, um, an office at home, uh, a bedroom converted into an office and that's usually where I write or sometimes I'll take the laptop out into the living room and kick back in the recliner. So Generally, I write within this like five square foot radius within my home. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And then, uh, how many um, uh, like from the time that you get the idea and and you start writing it, like how long does it usually take for you to have the the first draft done? Uh, when I was working full time, um, probably about a month. Uh, because, you know, I have a small child and when I was working 40 hours a week, I'd only really get an hour to an hour and a half a day to write. But now, um, now that I'm just freelancing and doing other stuff and I don't have a regular day job, um, maybe like two weeks, 
to first draft. You know, if I'm if my first draft is thirty five or forty five thousand words, I can get that done in a couple weeks. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like four to five thousand words a day um, is pretty typical for me if I'm able to focus on writing for most of the day. Basically, like yeah, sitting down and then just uh, doing that. Everyone that I've interviewed, they they take it very like, you know, this is my job. I got to sit down. I got to put put in the hours. So it's kind of, I know a lot, of, a lot of people wonder how people get to do it and put in the time. And that's the way you do it. You sit down. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you treat it like a hobby, then you'll produce like a, a hobbyist. Is yeah. that a hobbyist? Is that a word? I don't know. It I sounds, may have sounds to good. That up. <laughs> but it, you know, if you treat it like a hobby, then you'll, you'll produce like someone who's just you know, treating it like a hobby. If you treat it like a job, then you'll, you'll produce. Um, I haven't been doing this very long, but I do have, you know, I must have a million words out by now. I don't even really exactly know how many I've, I've published 20, 25 books. Um, just because I, you know, I, part of it is that I love it. I don't, I don't ever get burned out. You know, I don't ever get to a place where I feel like I'm finished that with that book. Now I just want to take a month to watch Netflix. You know, I've, I, I'm finish it, you know, and then, then the next day I'm on to the next thing. I really like your covers too. They really uh, uh, pop out a lot to you. Uh, how involved are you in the, in getting those created? I... Some, some of my early covers were mostly done by a guy named Kit Foster. Oh yeah. I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, you say remember cause he's pretty much disappeared. Yeah. He's a hard guy. I've, to, I've been trying to get a hold of him about something actually. And it's really tricky to get a hold of him. Kate, if you're listening, please email me. Um, <laughs> The Lane Parish covers were done by E. I cannot remember the name, um, but they were all done. The guy named the guy's name was Dane. I can't remember his company. Sorry, Dane. Um, the Micah Reed covers were done sort of by me, and then Nick Thacker did them. He like did the the typography because that's the stuff I'm not very good at. Um, I don't recommend people make their own covers. And I recommend that if you do work with a cover artist, you tell them don't don't micromanage them. You know, I made that mistake early on, like with some of the first stuff I did with Kit. Where I was like, this is exactly what I want. And I have the whole thing planned out of my head. And this needs to be here. And this needs to be over here. And this guy's got a gun and it's pointing this way. And this woman has her hand over her mouth because she's in shock. You know, I, I had to learn the hard way. Don't do all that stuff because I'm the... Because a book cover is a, a marketing decision. It's a sales decision, you know, like um, like a book title. Um, I, I, I tried to get too creative with some of the titles of my early books um, and ended up later changing them because they just didn't make sense for the genre. You know, I tried to be too clever. Um, so to answer your question, Alan, um, I tried to be as uninvolved in the cover process as possible. I... You know, usually work with a cover artist, they say, fill out this thing. I fill out to their, you know, bare specifications, and then I go and let the professionals do their jobs. Before I let you go, uh, any advice for the, for listeners who are aspiring to, to write thrillers? If you are aspiring to write a thriller, I think the best piece of advice I could give to you is don't quit. Um, writing is tough. If you're trying to get an agent and an editor and a trad pub deal, you're probably going to experience a lot of rejection. Um, you know, uh, there's always that, that urban legend going around about how JK Rowling was rejected 12 times 
before she got an agent for Harry Potter. And any real writer knows that 12 rejections is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, try a couple hundred. But, you know, the the only way to ensure failure is to quit. Um, you know, if you quit, you definitely won't be a success. This uh, There's a lot of rejection. There's, there's going to be one-star reviews. There's going to be comparisonitis. But if you keep pushing, then you can you can have the success you want. All right, that's great advice. Thanks so much uh, for being on the uh, on the show. I really appreciate it, Jim. Absolutely, Alan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time. Thank you.